Welcome to Ophthalmology and Beyond, the Maharashtra Ophthalmological Society's podcast. Maharashtra Ophthalmological Society is the largest state association of 3000 ophthalmologists from Western Indian state of Maharashtra. This podcast is by members of MOS for the ophthalmologist community of the world covering a broad range of topics concerning the science, art and practice of ophthalmology and ophthalmologists. This series is an initiative under the current leadership of MOS Honorary President Dr Jignesh Daswala Honorary Secretary Dr Rajesh Joshi Honorary Treasurer Dr Rajiv Mundra and Chairman Scientific Committee Dr Ragini Parekh Hope you like this series Do remember to follow it on your favorite podcast app You may send your feedback to MOS Secretary 7 at gmail.com. Happy listening. Welcome to the eighth episode of Ophthalmology and Beyond the MOS podcast. This episode features recording of Journal Club held in the month of January 2022. The article discussed is IOL power calculation in eyes with keratoconus by Nuria Garzion Madrid Spain published in the May 2020 issue of Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery you can access this article by clicking on the link given in the show notes a uh, very good evening to all my dear MOS members once again we are back with the e journal club this is the third meeting that we are having in the month of uh, january so very wish you a very very happy new year it's uh, almost a month down the line but the first of the uh, e journal meet in this year and we have the experts with us the panelists dr himanshu madalia and our own uh, uh, boss that is dr chandrashekar vavikar sir and uh, dr vaishal kenia and his team as vaparul deshpande and dr naina podar they are doing great work to see that every month to month we are coming with very interesting articles and this time we have got intra uh, iol power calculations in cases of uh, keratoconus it's a review article and uh, i wish all the best to the journal club uh, committee over to you vaishal thank you sir and uh, with uh, so much enthusiasm and energy we uh, it pumps up all together to do much better every month and we uh, try to emulate and uh, do much better so today's article is a very interesting article on intraocular calculation keratoconus so we are go- trying to find more and more fortes we want to uh, manage you know like post refractive surgery cases now keratoconus we want a better formula to give us a better outcome so today we have brilliant uh, uh, panelist which have uh, lot of uh, experience on keratoconus and it would be great to share so i hand over the meeting to dr parul deshpande to conduct it further thank you vaishal so at yeah. the outset i would like to thank mos and i would like to welcome dr uh, uh, chandrashekar vavikar uh, i think he does not need any introduction uh, he is the head of the vavikar institute and a very esteemed member of uh, mos 
and uh, we have Dr. Himanshu Matalia, who is uh, a cornea consultant from Narayan Netralay, Bangalore. Uh, we have our presenter, Dr. Mamta Tanna, who is from Vavika Rai Institute, and she would be presenting on intraocular lens calculation in eyes with keratoconus. Uh, I have my co-moderator, Dr. Naina Poddar, who is uh, head of the unit and a professor at uh, Lokmani Tilak Medical College, uh, Sion Hospital. So with this, I think I would uh, request Dr. Mamta to share her uh, presentation. Um, good evening, everybody. Myself, Dr. Mamta Tanna from Avikara Institute, and my moderators are Dr. C.M. Vavikar from Avikara Institute and Dr. Himansh Mataria from Bangalore. Today's uh, topic is Intraocular Lens Pump Calculation in Eyes with Keratoconus, which was published in JCRS in 2020. The impact factor of this article is 3.351. Purpose, as we all do cataract surgeries in keratoconus eyes, uh, here is to review and document the method used to calculate the power of intraocular lens which we implant in these surgeries. This review includes all the scientific articles published that focused on parameters and formulas used to calculate this eye power. As we all know, keratoconus is a non-inflammatory disorder characterized by increasingly steeper cornea of central and paracentral region leading to refractive errors. Management may vary. In mild cases, we may, need we may give spectacles or contact lenses. And in advanced cases, we may need surgeries like C3R, ICRS, or keratoplasty. Uh, the problems in keratometry measurements in keratoconus are uh, the decentered cone may impact the precision of keratometry readings. Usually, standard refractive index is used to cal calculate the keratometry values, but it may not hold true in keratoconus eyes as there is alteration in anterior and posterior corneal uh, surface ratio. Visual actions may not go through the cornea steepest location, which may hamper the K values, uh, which will be less precise. Also, the irregularity of tear film reflexes makes it difficult to identify reliable and repeatable k-values. Methods, bibliographic search was conducted for scientific articles written and published before 15th of March 2019, which yielded 851 articles. Boolean operators and truncated terms were used to perform the search. Selected articles which had not been included from the above uh, search were also screened. As a result, 19 articles were finally analyzed and reviewed. Inclusion criteria is patient with keratoconus who had cataract surgery, patient with keratoconus undergoing cataract surgery with no prior history of ocular surgery for keratoconus, explicit mention of how eye power calculation was done. Reasons, Kami et al. Per performed multicentral study, which was the largest, including 102 eyes, Keratometry measurement method used was total corneal refractive power measured by Pentacam on central 3mm ring and IL master for IL power calculations. These were the formulas uh, used for this uh, study. Conclusion, accuracy was good in mild keratoconus cases, but not in moderate and severe keratoconus. There, there was large amount of hyperopic or myopic shift occurred in advanced cases. Hence, it concluded that standard keratometric index is not always, uh, it gives overestimation of corneal pop. What's in it all? It, it is a retrospective study. It is a very interesting study. 
which included 92 eyes. And the method used was Master 500 or Keratometer for mild to moderate cases and in, uh, and severe cases also. In addition to this, in advanced keratoconus cases, we divided uh, uh, means, uh, standard K values were used in 50% of cases and actual K values measured from the above methods was used in other 50% of cases. Conclusion, K values as actual K values are suitable for mild to moderate cases, but in severe cases, standard K value was better as depicted is in this table. This is the preoperative rate of all the 92 patients which was studied in this study. Uh, which shows that out of 92, 27 um, patients were using glasses, 57 were using RGP uh, corneal contact lenses, and eight were using scleral contact lenses. And postoperatively, when the spherical oil implantation was done, after that, it shows that there was a very uh, good improvement in mild cases. So patients were glass free in eight. Uh, cases, while there was improvement in uh, the refractive error as the number of uh, scleral contact lenses and um, corneal contact lenses uh, number was decreased and glass number was in increased. Even the biometry predict uh, prediction error was very less in almost zero in uh, um, mild keratoconus cases which was moderate in um, even less in uh, point moderate keratoconus cases. But as you see, it was very big when the actual K was used in severe keratoconus cases, though it was less when the standard K value was used. Hence, and even the range you see is very big in when the actual K was used in severe cases. So this shows that standard K value is better in severe keratoconus cases. Uh, next study is Savini et al. Uh, it included 41 eyes. Uh, keratometry measurement method used was corneal curvature data converted to corneal power by standard keratometry index, which was measured using biometer or topographer. These were the formulas used in the study. Uh, and the conclusion was SRKT was the most accurate formula in mild to moderate cases. In severe cases, the residual error was almost always higher than 2.5 as depicted in this uh, table. Uh, here you can see the SRKT formula is almost giving 100% uh, result in all the stages and the error is always less than plus or minus one diopter. More or less similar results were in moderate cases, but in stage three, that is severe, uh, it was less than 15%. Uh, so in severe cases, the error was always high uh, uh, using, uh, in even the SRKT uh, formula is used. Next, next is Lessisotti prospect. It is the only prospective study which included 34 eyes. K values obtained by actual topographic maps were used. Uh, holiday formula was used. And uh, refractive, uh, it concluded that refractive length exchange in keratoconus eyes predictably corrected myopia. IL exchange was IL uh, exchange uh, occurred in almost 50% of cases, that is uh, around 11 eyes. So it recommended intraoperative autorefractometry is better. 
Hashimi et al. is a retrospective study including 23i. Manual K and K derived from Pentacam is used. Uh, according to the axial length, different formulas were used for different axial uh, eyes of different axial lengths. And error obtained with this uh, manual K and uh, with this uh, study uh, was very less for mild and moderate cases. But in severe cases, even in severe cases, hence recommended that K should be measured in the central cornea, which correspond closely to the visual axis. So in the, all the cases, uh, the mean absolute error was very less. So it recommended K value should be measured in central cornea, which correspond closely to the visual axis using manual K and K derived from uh, Pentacam. James et al. included 19 uh, eyes. It also considered keratoconus prostate and pellucid marginal degeneration cases. Pentacam or Obscan 2 was used for measurement. 90, it concluded that 98.16% correlation between the attempted versus achieved refraction obtained. Alio et al. Uh, in this, uh, he implanted toric oil in all the cases. Corneal topography it, it was the method of choice for measurement. It also considered visual acuity and refraction. And formulas used were Hoffer-Q and SRKT. Conclusion is micro-incision surgeries using corneal topography for the calculation of oil power is safe and effective regarding visual and refractive results. Weiser et al. also, uh, uh, in this study also, toric oil was implanted in both the eyes. K was measured using Pentacam, an axial length for axial length measurement, manual keratometry was used. Conclusion, patient showed marked improvement in uncorrected distance visual acuity. And there is a uh, significant reduction in refractive astigmatism with this uh, toric IELTS. Uh, these two studies uh, were done for posterior keratoconus cases. First is Tamauke et al. It studied four eyes. Islemaster and autokeratometer was used for measurement. It est estimated entire corneal refractive power only from the anterior corneal radius using modified refractive index by empirical estimation of the corneal thickness and posterior surface curvature. Anterior segment OCT was also used. Formula of choice was SRKT. Conclusion, total corneal power was lower than the values determined by the IL master and autorefractometer. Hence concluded total corneal power values that take both anterior and posterior corneal curvatures into consideration should be applied for IL power calculation in cases with posterior keratoconus. Park et al. studied one eye uh, of posterior keratoconus where the axial length was less. Conventional keratometer, pentacam and onscam was used. Uh, these were the formulas used in this. IL power calculation from the conventional tape may be inaccurate, may, may cause hyperopia. Best how outcome obtained when exact central value in true net power map and equivalent KD right from Pentacam was used. Selicol et al. is a case report of two eyes of same patient in which right eye had central keratoconus and left eye had oval inferotemporal keratoconus. Standard table, uh, keratometry was used for right eye and for left eye video keratography was used. 
And these were the formulas used for respective eyes. In conclusion, determining the IL power with video keratography derived values in different rings may be more accurate than the standard keratometry values. Next study is step ethical. Study 12 eyes. Standard keratometer and corneal topography is the uh, method of choice for measurement. An average of all the IL powers were taken into consideration. And conclusion was SRT2 was most accurate in patients in mild cases. And there was no difference between standard or corneal topography derived uh, keratomate. Uh, last is CAMPS et al. showed that variable refractive index over the standard refractive index could minimize refractive surprises after cataract surgery. Discussion, the refractive index of uh, 1.3375 overestimates the corneal power leading to hypropic shift. Total corneal power leads to better outcomes, though corneal location for measuring the same is not specified. SRKT formula yielded the best outcomes. Higher the keratoconus, less predictable the post-operative outcomes. The incision position should be planned according to the peripheral corneal thickness rather than the astigmatism axis. Clear corneal incisions to be sutured to ensure wound opposition and to regularize the astigmatism. More studies with larger study population are needed to calculate corneal power based on not only keratoconus severity score, but also on position of the apex related to the center of the cornea. Key points. I'll calculation in patient with keratoconus remain a challenge for today's cataract surgeon. Patient counseling regarding difficulty of measurements and possibility of refractive surprise remains paramount to success. Tori may be considered in patient with corneal astigmatism as long as manifest refraction corresponds with topographic and biometric measurement. It should be matching. For mild to moderate keratoconus, blended approach comparing Barrett to universal and SRKT formulas is recommended. In severe keratoconus cases, standard case should be considered. Thank you. Thank you, Mamta, for a wonderful presentation. Nena, would you start with the yeah. Thank you, Dr. Parul, and thank you, Mamta, for this uh, interesting review article which you presented. We have two stalwarts with us, and I hope the discussion is very interesting. Uh, I will start by asking first to Dr. Himanshu, uh, what is the preferred method of keratometry to, in your clinical practice? Second subpart is what is the preferred IL formula you'll use to reduce the hyperventricular error and any role of optimization of A constant to prevent refractive surprises. Please share your first-hand experience with us. So first and foremost, uh, we know that let's build a little background to this uh, subject. Uh, one is the repeatability of refraction in keratoconus is very poor. If you look at the very, uh, one of the largest uh, prospective trial, CLEC trial, which was uh, done in US, multicentric trial, and they found the repeatability of refraction was, standard deviation was almost five and a half diopter. That means multiple time you do refraction, there can be huge variability and we all know in keratoconus on the same day, if you do refraction in three places, you will have three different refractive errors. Now, why there is variation? Is it related to axial length? Of course not. So what is it related to? Well, it's related to the curvature of the cornea and which reflects to keratometry, right? So one most important part, 
the repeatability of uh, the measurements are going to be an issue here. Now, second part, when we use any formula, uh, most uh, relevant formulas, whatever we have, will have almost adapter effect of keratometry on the visual outcome which we get. So if you are off by keratometry by adapter, you may be off in your refriction by adapter post-operatively. Right. Now, if you join both of them together, well, in keratoconus, because the keratometry measurement what we have, uh, or rather in any formula what we take, the formula takes one key value. So it, it averages everything out. It averages K1, both the hemimeridians of K1 calls one area K1, one axis K1. It averages a perpendicular axis uh, calls K2, averages both of them and gives you a mean K and uses that mean K. Now you think about it, by definition alone, keratoconus has to have superior inferior asymmetry of almost 1.6 diopter. Higher the keratoconus, more the superior inferior asymmetry. So such kind of cases inherently, there are chances that the K value, what you get total mean K value would be away from most of the K values which are there in real point on cornea. And you go towards the center of the cornea, of course, there would be averaging and then hence you end up getting a K value which is not accurate. And that's how keratoconus is. But the thing is, I would rather say that all the studies, whatever they did, uh, a major thing which they actually forgot, I would rather say, not forgot, but sort of oversight was, I would rather classify keratoconus central cone versus peripheral cone and then analyze the entire literature. Now, analyzing a, a K values or the refractive outcome of a procedure uh, in central cone versus a decentered cone is totally comparing apple with oranges. And it certainly cannot be done. And then you end up getting uh, values which are, of course, uh, too much off. So if we have a central cone, and if we have uh, the X's which are, uh, and of course, before cataract, or if you are doing refractive lens exchange, then during that period, if your X's are very similar to the subjective acceptance X's, well, we are in good zone and we possibly can nail the, the outcome much better in such kind of uh, cases. In such kind of cases, I don't even mind looking at uh, a, a toric IOL. But when you have cases, where there is a significant asymmetry between subjective acceptance axis as well as uh, the objective axis, there are very high likelihood that you might end up uh, getting uh, a, a refractive surprise. Now, when you have advanced cone, the superior inferior asymmetry is such that, that the mean K value would still end up uh, getting much higher than what you want. And then you end up getting hyperopic surprise. No, no, no guessing to that. So uh, if I look at uh, these kind of things, if I have a decenter cone, I would rather find out a way that am I able to visually rehabilitate this patient using contact lenses? If yes, and he is patient is going to be ready to continue with the contact lens, I won't worry about it. And I would possibly target a little more towards myopic side. Uh, if I have a center cone or uh, sorry, decentered cone, but uh, patient is not willing for uh, the contact lens, I would find out if I can regularize this thing by doing intax 
or maybe topoguided PRK with or without cross-linking, depending upon the age of the patient, and then follow it up with a uh, cataract surgery with more regular key values. If it's center cone, well, I would possibly uh, have a low threshold to go ahead uh, with the cataract surgery. So, yeah, long answer, but I really don't think there is any absolute uh, truth in uh, this thing. So, can I add a point here? Uh, yeah, Imanshu, you brilliantly uh, uh, cited the point uh, to differentiate between a centered cone and a, a decentered cone. But uh, would you think uh, about uh, measuring the posterior uh, K value also? Because whatever the refractive index which we are taking is 1.3775. We are not taking in the posterior K value which has already changed and would be asymmetrical. So with uh, the IOL master today or with Shimplum cameras, if we could measure both of them, does it matter in any way? So uh, interestingly, there are none instruments which are reliable to measure the true posterior corneal curvature. And unfortunately, all of them are based on theoretical uh, formulas, which, which are mainly derived for thinner cornea, I mean, uh, thinner lens and uh, in corneas, which are regularized uh, corneas. Uh, we really can't uh, uh, accept that same uh, concept in uh, more irregular surfaces like keratoconus. The thing is, the, uh, the posterior corneal curvature uh, would put your calculation off by some amount, but the main culprit is right there in front of us, which is the anterior curvature, which itself is so variable that uh, it's difficult to get one K values and call, you know what, your cornea has this K. And uh, how can a keratoconus have one K value, which is true K value? But what about uh, total corneal power that you get it on OCT? So some of the OCTs, I think, do give uh, total corneal power. They, where they actually look at the anterior posterior curvature as well as the thickness. So you probably try to overcome that refractive index uh, issue. So, so, with that so again, it's same thing. It's like, again, when we talk about total corneal power and uh, these things, it works well in regularized cornea. But in cornea, which is asymmetric, um, yeah. well, we, we, we are yeah. surrogating entire irregularity with one K value and expecting that to work and expecting a visual outcome of cataract surgery to be wonderful. Yeah, I think it's target in some cases. For doing anything, yeah. yeah. Dr. Vavikar, sir, uh, so your comment and uh, do you think any uh, uh, specific classification would help us uh, in really, uh, you know, coming uh, judging the type of IOL or, you know, that we can put in these cases. Uh, yes. Thank you, Dr. Pavel. And uh, uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, excellent presentation by Mamta and a very good elaborate answer by Dr. Himanshu. Uh, see, uh, let us start with, uh, we'll go through the studies. The most important point as highlighted by Dr. Himanshu is that we need to do, know whether it is a central corner uh, eccentric, right? That is one thing established. Second thing we need to establish whether is a contact lens happy patient or not. Depending upon that, our management is definitely going to change. Now we come to the third point is that which formula to use. Okay, so there are two ways. Number one, this is of course all theoretical discussion. As Dr. Himanshu has already said, we do not know exactly what we are using. Now, sometimes luckily what happens that 
it is a multifocal cornea and whatever patient uh, whatever lens you put and whatever the refractive error patient has some of patient seems to be very happy but here we are talking about increasing our accuracy now to increase the accuracy let's assume that we are having a proper theoretical discussion only first thing i would do is that decrease the grade of the keratoconus uh, okay so for that on our old classifications we need to get rid of and we need to talk about newer classification like retics classification retics classification gives weight to not only topography but base corrected uh, visual acuity uh, rms value q value uh, rms means iron abrasions q value and also astigmatism so i think and, mamta has one slide on that you have given yeah, it to yeah. her has a slide Do on we that. have that uh, share mamta Yes, sure. Yeah. The next one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, if you see that this classification is really good. Now, it is very difficult to uh, divide the keratoconus into these four, five grades. Actually, it is a continuous spectrum. Okay. But even then, you get an idea what you are dealing with. Now, when you go to keratoconus beyond grade three. everything is so vulnerable like you know so unpredictable that in such cases if the patient wants the best thing is to do some regularization procedure like topocaded prk or intax depending upon the k value and get the cornea uh, get the cone central or regular and if possible both and then think what to do now once you have let's uh, let's assume that we have done that then i will see uh, whether the if the central 3 mm has got a regular cone a good cone then i would like to see how much is the astigmatism and i would treat it eccentric cone astigmatism treatment is very very unpredictable and best is not to do not to attempt it but you have a central cone and good amount of astigmatism we always talk to the patient that we are going to debulk the astigmatism not we are going to get zero and then we come to uh, iol power calculation iol power calculation we can go two ways number one is the older way where we use the old refractive index of cornea lay in a gulston model in that the best way to go is to go by ekr okay pentagram ekr is certainly the best and the uh, the uh, newer methods in which you do not uh, use the corneal uh, refractive index of 1.3775 but uh, you actually measure the anterior surface and the posterior surface of the cornea and by using ssoct or similar ray tracing device and use it now even with ssoct in normal corneas on iol master c100 if you use barrett tk versus barrett trk tk by using barrett total keratometry the results improve by 12% this we are talking about normal cornea so here comes dr himanshu's point that in normal cornea also if the results are improving just by 12% what are the chances that it will improve in a irregular cornea and that is why uh, the point which was raised by dr vaishal kenya that you know don't you uh, think we should consider posterior cornea yes of course we have to consider and ssoct would be the best bet for that but at the same time we have to understand that we do not know how accurate it is so in nutshell this is how i will go first is classify the uh, type of keratoconus according to newer classification 
do some smoothing procedure or get the cone central and then first talk about astigmatism and then approach now i always calculate by both the methods whatever number of methods are available and try to put a mean iol power of course i have not done too many cases just uh, theoretical discussion oh uh, thank you sir i have uh, one question is that uh, when we are looking at these cases where uh, you have a spectacle correction which is good okay in these patients especially these are the people who have central cone or they have mild uh, keratoconus uh, <clears throat> and uh, in these patients if you have to decide about a toric and a non toric what would be uh, how would you decide that this patient is good for toric and this patient is not good for toric patients the, who have a better best uh, spectacle correction so if the central 3 mm has got regular astigmatism i would consider that as a very good case for toric iol if not then spherical iol with a uh, leaving behind myopic residual and a contact lens what about you himanshu oh. same thing so uh, as i said that i would uh, look at uh, centrality of the cone if the cone is centered and if my subjective and objective axes are similar in that case uh, i would be really pumped up to uh, think of uh, a toric iol uh, but if there is and believe me most of the time when your your objective method shows some axis your optometrist gives you totally another axis you keep on insisting no this is not this and try this thing and he or she will tell you no patient is not accepting it so that's the standard story of keratoconus so in such kind of cases doing it doing a toric uh, iol may not be uh, the best uh, way but if you have something which where they both are correlating well and as dr pravika said uh, cases which are mild keratoconus uh, and better corneal surface i don't mind uh, thinking of uh, toric light so two uh, points himanshu uh, that i have one is that subjective refraction may not be possible in many of the cases if you have an advanced sure. case Sure. And uh, second is that sometimes uh, you have uh, uh, an astigmatism which is regularly irregular rather than irregularly irregular. So if you you have an advanced case where you have a central cone and you have a, a high astigmatism, so do you think you would uh, still attempt to do a toric iol to debulk the cylindrical value so that you can achieve a better best spectacle corrected uh, vision? And if you, at all, if you decide to do how would you plan that case so uh, two things uh, here uh, parul which we have to uh, pay attention to one is that uh, what is your uh, end point or what i call final destination which you are looking at now if you think that you are looking at a spectacle independence uh, in that particular patient do you think you are able to achieve that looking at the, that particular topographic picture if you think that uh, that's possible or uh, uh, that's that's doable surely we can think of whatever we want to do second thing we have to look at how this patient is going to get visually rehabilitated and what is the maximum achievable visual acuity for that now that has to be maximum practically achievable now you may give a farmer a scleral contact lens and say you know what he is able to see very nicely but if he is not going to wear that contact lens then you might have to see that how can i possibly 
reduce uh, the uh, the lower order abrasion and at least give some uh, thing which gives uh, that person little better vision but when you have a as dr bavikar was saying in advanced cases with very high rms value especially coma a uh, moment you take care of the lower order abrasion you are exposing coma so that person if uh, that person is the, somebody who is very keen on good visual outcome uh, as soon as you take care of the lower order abrasion you are going to give them ghosting of images now i don't know whether we helped that person or not now if that person was ready mm -hmm. to wear contact lens uh, like dr ravika said i would rather reduce uh, the bulk of uh, spherical power and uh, those thing and uh, fall back on the contact lens but if you think that contact lens is not possible this is the only eye whatever you are dealing with is uh, a patient who is not going to wear any uh, anything and if you are still able to reduce uh, uh, the the major chunk of astigmatism yeah sure you you can think of uh, that so so i understand that you are saying that if you have an uh, eccentric cone or if you are an advanced cone it's best to regularize your cornea of so course. in your practice uh, how often are you doing uh, 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 the intraocular ring segments or a prk preoperatively especially in advanced cones so i would say anything where uh, either it's an eccentric with uh, any re reading which is more than 54 55 where you know the patient is now going to improve beyond 624 or you know uh, with the spectacles so in these cases yeah so uh, first and foremost uh, disclaimer i think if anybody claims that they have done loads of cases either they are lying or they may have different definition of uh, what we are talking about so i really don't think any one of us would have loads of experience in advanced keratoconus uh, doing only uh, cataract surgery in that to then again doing toricaval uh, so such kind of cases become less and less uh, in the practice having said that i have done a few cases uh, they do well uh, but uh, that's a very blanket statement to say they do well compared to what i mean i, I anything in which science we say somebody is doing well there has to be compared to what and uh, this would be totally uncompared uh, outcome which you would be you know, talking about uh, having uh, said that uh, most of the time cases where i find uh, that the younger generation uh, people with so uh, what happens in many of these keratoconus cases keratoconus associated with vkc having steroid uh, since long young age uh psc uh, develops much earlier and these are young age patient where they can actually potentially end up uh, in the cataract surgery in such kind of cases can uh, be a very good candidate uh, for surface regularization procedure uh, nowadays uh, i fall back upon uh, topo guided prk more than uh, the intex uh, purely because the outcomes are little more predictable with topo guided prk compared to intex intex uh, is nice but the predictability of outcome is not as great uh, with intex but if i have to use intex only in one case well that would be post lasik ectasia so if i have post lasik ectasia with keratoconus out i mean with uh, cataract i would certainly do intex first and then uh, plan my cataract surgery other cases well, my preference would be more for topo guided prk dr vavikar your opinion oh. uh yeah i'll give my opinion but i would like uh, to ask question to dr himanshu 
ट which uh, which is not affected uh, part and most of them uh, their spherical uh, equivalent is not that high so in such kind of cases that inferior uh, elevation which is there flattening that alone uh, would make the surface much more regular and would give much better spherical uh, equivalent compared to anything else which you use so similarly in intax if we are looking at uh, uh, somewhere where we have the corneal uh, the axes which are already flat axes which are within your acceptable uh, limit and they are they're not uh, having uh, still uh, quite uh, steep k uh, where the spherical equivalent is not very high in such kind of cases intex uh, can be fine but having said that uh, the amount of control which we have in terms of outcome is far uh, beyond comparison between topo guided prk and intex so if i if i get a chance i prefer topo guided prk if uh, if not possible intex certainly comes uh, the next in my arm mind when we are talking about topo guided prk it's we are talking about corneal thickness so we are definitely looking somewhere uh, where we are not looking a k reading or uh, the keratometric readings which are more than uh, uh, 52 53 or 55 i think but when we are talking about intex we are looking at the cases where it is a severe cone so where probably an is exactly parallel i i i won't say that even in intex if you look at uh, anything which goes beyond 60 60 i mean 65 they claim but most of the time by then the corneal thickness would have gone down significantly so uh, yes it can be uh, done in any cases the problem with uh, intex is that uh, uh, it's in segment which you are putting into the stroma of the cornea if you do not have enough cornea behind uh, the ring as well as in front of the ring either the ring can uh, lead to melting of uh, the posterior uh, stroma and can intrude inside or it can melt the anterior stroma and it can extrude out so the magic number is almost 120 to 150 micron no 120 is still okay 125 micron behind the ring and the depth of the ring has to be somewhere around uh, 300 micron plus so if you look at in uh, that zone you are looking at corneal thickness of 450 micron and all those things so it's not that very advanced cone we can uh, do in text because that self can have its own uh, uh, issues so what about uh, doing a dial <laughs> Of course, that's the so the the idea is that when we look at the cone, we decide that uh, 
is it very advanced cone and irregular surface there is no point looking at all such kind of uh, thing in that case a dark or pkp whatever works uh, best uh, would be uh, the better choice and then follow it up with any of the cataract can wait i would rather do a corneal transplant procedure first wait uh, for the surface to become regular or at least give me an idea that if i can get it more regular and even if required i can use toric iol or can have more predictable outcome uh, if i think that uh, the keratoconus is not very advanced cornea is not that bad then comes the other discussion what we had central cone peripheral cone how advanced the cone is is it progressing do cross linking if it's not progressing then based on what discussion we had we can go at central cone maybe toric decentral cone make it more regular because i i just want to ask one thing is that when we are looking at a mild cases where we think that we will be able to put a toric iol so is there any scope of using uh, premium iols like edof toric or a um, multifocal toric so do you think those cases where it's a very very uh, limited numbers i know it's a very mild cases so do you think uh, that is a possibility and we can uh, try to achieve emetropia both for distance and near usually so one, of the, yeah, one of the most important points uh, while considering suitability for a any kind of a trifocal quadrifocal or edof lens is that uh, the higher order aberrations have to be really less and having a keratoconus with very less uh, hoa is uh, very difficult to you know it's a very central cone i think it's a it's a arrested form of keratoconus if you see sometime Maybe. So probably that is the case where uh, we may have. Vaishal, uh, we can have any... Uh, the answer to that is, how sure you are that you're going to hit uh, emetropia, beating your chest there, and uh, promising patient that, you know what, I'm offering you toric multifocal, you're spending a uh, huge amount of money, but uh, I'm not sure about the outcome. That is where probably sure. yeah. uh, our uh, post-surgery PRK... Or post surgery uh, piggyback IOL will probably help us if we are over promising these patients with hematopia uh, for distance and near. So other interesting part is that uh, in in, uh, in surface which are asymmetric surface, even if we do topogated PRK, uh, we may be able to reduce the astigmatism partly or something, but it compensates by increasing the sphere. Yeah. So. Suddenly, whatever you have decided, you've done your, you may have hit your emetropia with your <laughs> lens. Now you will have uh, some kind of uh, myopia, which is uh, which is sitting there, or, or rather hyperopia, which is you'll be steepening. So um, I think it's better to avoid such kind of thing and allow them to wear uh, their uh, other glasses. So, Vishal, you also, I think, have some clinical experience of these cases. So, yeah. So, so, basically, the point uh, uh, today told was uh, the most important thing is the EKR. You should do a pentacam and see the spread of the K value before planning whether it's a toric you want to put or whether you want to put a non-toric. See, in central cones, may, you may uh, also put a non-toric if the astigmatism is not much. See, I have uh, done... Uh, cases where there are subclinical keratoconus only there is a posterior elevation and this this was just uh, 
on uh, cataract screening we came to know that the patient has a subclinical keratoconus so in such cases uh, the spread of the ekr helps us how the central 3 mm how the spread is so in this cases i have been using the barrett tk formula and uh, lately after uh, dr barrett published his new data on keratoconus i've been uh, started using the barrett true k measured value so definitely the tk value when you account for it the measurement it has improved but mind you these are only in mild cases less than 48 diopters where dr imanshu rightly said that if we are not able to measure it properly then whatever formula you use you are not going to hit but where it's a very mild case or a subclinical keratoconus where the derangement is not much definitely the role of posterior k measurement is there and that's why measuring the tk value and using the true k what has happened is it accounts for the regression it uses a regression formula so using the measured uh, posterior k as well as the regression it helps to uh, achieve more emetropia and why srkt worked much better than the fourth generation formulas was that the srkt usually uh, uh, showed slight amount of more myopia which counterbalanced the hypermetropia which was uh, measure, uh, caused by uh, measurement of the uh, when you are measuring the intraocular calculation and a keratoconus eyes and that's why srkt was uh, found to be more superior than the other formulas but in today's time there were a lot of formulas like holiday kc formula kane kc formula but today barrett true k measured has worked beautifully well and i have a series of around 30 cases but these are mild cases mild case where uh, grade 1 less than 48 diopters where it has done extremely well my question uh, to the panelists is with uh, myopic axial lens uh, any special concerns in measuring them in keratoconus eyes so yes. if you have myopia associated with uh, keratoconus so do we have anything which we should be worried about sir or himanshu anyone um, Yeah, I'm very sure. Okay, go. Uh, uh, see, basically, uh, when we are talking about keratoconus, um, it is not the axial myopia. It is possible that patient has axial myopia also, but uh, it is not axial myopia. It is the steepening of the K and overestimation of the corneal power. and uh, something which goes wrong in the uh, elp uh, determination so from that point of view i don't think i will make any changes um, i will go exactly the way dr himanshu and dr vaishal have described himanshu any comments or i, I, I think dr vavikar uh, hit the nail in uh, proper place that we are talking about curvatural myopia but if at all we have axial myopia treat that spherical equivalent calculation based on what your from what formula works best in your hand for the axial myopia and that's as simple as that uh, vaishal just uh, to your comments that you gave previously so i just wanted to know if you can tell for the general public how an ekr spread would look in which case you would attempt a toric or a premium iol how a map would look you know so people don't know about it so can you just talk about that 
See, basically, uh, putting a premium lens in a keratoconus is a big question mark. As Dr. Vavikar say, sir said, that if the higher order abrasions are much higher, then putting a premium lens is a disaster. And as Dr. Imanshu said, it's a multifocal cornea. So already the cornea is multifocal and you're going to uh, put a multifocal lens, you're going to create a problem. So in the message is that in this, these cases, uh, a monofocal lens would be much better uh, uh, to put. And EKR spread, why it is important? Because EKR uh, gives you the anterior as well as the posterior. It gives you an uh, equivalent K reading. So you know the spread. If the central three millimeters, so it gives you a spread from zero mil, uh, from right from the center to the eight millimeters. How the spread of the K value is, and what you are interested is the central three millimeters. How the spread is. So if the spread is more regular in that case, then you can go in for a toric lens. So this is for deciding whether you want to go for a toric lens or a non-toric lens. So, Vaishal, I understand that if you get a very tall peak in the central 3 millimeter, it is yeah. a good case to go good. ahead with a premium IOL. And if you get a flat base or a very widely spread out lower That's value, an irregular cornea. Yeah. You would not look at a no, Perfect premium fine. IOL, Right? Second right. thing is that when you are looking at a severe keratoconus, most of the formulas do not allow you, online calculations do not allow you to uh, feed any values above 55. So when you look at Barrett's, it does not allow you less than 30, more than 55. So in these cases, I think we have to resort to the uh, original uh, uh, old formulas like an SRKT or a SRK2. Parul, what I want to tell you is, and as Dr. Himanshu has uh, told that in severe cones, we, the measurement of the cornea, the cornea curvature you need to understand is asymmetrical. It's not the same K all across all the meridians. Even, even each hemi-meridian is different. So predicting with any formula you put, it's going to be a, a, a guesswork. So in those cases, you can uh, go in with formulas which are... Uh, able to take in that K values and then go ahead. I know the Barrett uh, takes around up to 55 K values, but other than that, uh, you can use a normal K values and then uh, tell the patient that you can put a piggyback lens in. That may be the case, but you cannot uh, guarantee the patient some uh, uh, near emetropia. And as uh, one of these cases series showed that in severe cones, the hypermetropia was more than 2.5 diopters. So you are really off. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just we'll just go to Dr. Sengupta. Dr. Sengupta, yeah. are you here? Uh, I just would like your comments on the article and uh... a couple of things. Uh, you know, this this is a uh, review article and not an original article. There's not much statistics to be discussed. But in overall, what we can discuss is you know when you're looking at a. a uh, study which is uh, like a review systematic review the thing that you should use to see whether it is done well is called the prisma checklist you know, so it's a 27 point checklist and it uh, you know so this study adheres to some of that and not to a lot of that so uh, you know i would say that uh, you know it's not really up there in terms of uh, how you know in terms of the quality that is there second thing so we're talking only about this study you know, the second thing that they did is this is the inclusion criteria. So, you know, if you see, they say there is no history. Uh, so cataract surgery nice with keratoconus for patients with no history of ocular surgery in the past. So all these studies have patients 
who have not had any cross linking who have not had any uh, intacts of course transplant is all right but you know when you have patients with uh, advanced disease like so many of these uh, have groups with more than 52 or 55 it's uh, relatively uh, sort of surprising to see that you know they have included only those studies which um, you know have had no previous uh, uh, sort of treatment so you know so this is a better sort of review on uh, Uh, cataract surgery in eyes with keratoconus so you know here what they say is uh, you know preoperatively co- so this is basically what uh, all of you have been discussing preoperatively corneal cross linking and intrastromal corneal ring segments can be considered in order to provide stable keratometry values of intraocular lens uh, you know for iol calculations so basically uh, stabilize the uh, cone and then go ahead and do uh, cataract surgery to have uh, or to give predictable surgical outcomes but uh, you know so this study this uh, review article actually has excluded all these uh, kind of studies so then you know you're not left with too much and i don't think a lot of the recommendations from this uh, article are really relevant to what we are doing today uh, you know and then what they have said is that uh, ex- there has to be explicit mention of how iol power calculation was performed that includes of course keratometry and axial length but then there are some studies where uh, you know that has not been provided but still they have been included for example uh, let me just quickly show you, so, you know, so this is a paper by uh, alio et al which has 17 patients but the article does not specify how keratometric values were measured however it has still been included in the study overall right so uh, it's a little bit confusing as to what you know which studies have been included and which studies have been excluded uh, in the results uh, they clearly don't mention the cone location which i think all of us have already mentioned you know when you look at that table i think you know this is not really helpful at all uh you know they say there are these many eyes but they don't mention mean age of patients in the study so are these patients relatively young undergoing refractive lens exchange for visual rehabilitation or have had cataract and need actual cataract surgery something that uh, i think both scenarios are quite different in terms of patient expectations and you know so this definitely needed to have a column on age and i think most importantly you know what is the 95% confidence interval of uh, or let's say the range of refractive error which was seen in each of these studies right so this kamia et al had 102 patients you know and that uh, final refraction varied from uh, you know say plus 4 to minus 3 or whatever that may be you know so that is something that had to be provided but overall it has not been provided except for one study and there is only one study in this whole thing who have actually used the barrett universal uh, formula and i think dr vaishal has uh, sort of Uh, touched upon this a little bit but it's surprising to see that you know barrett's formula being uh, overall considered to be uh, probably closest to accuracy at least in normal eyes you know and most of these other studies have not used barrett's universal or you know many modifications or iterations of the barrett's which has now come up uh, you know and they are all relatively recent studies 2018 19 so then you know it's i think sort of unfair to say that srkt is the uh, most accurate formula because you know a lot of newer formulas and iterations have not been actually compared against so uh, i think sadhi has some of the takeaways from me on on this paper yeah uh, i think i just want to one comment that savini et al the article we should talked about so if you see the table that they have given so in the uh, the um, the milder cases the grade 1 cases they have shown that most of them have an equivalent results except that i think uh srkt had a slightly little better uh, um, performance but otherwise most of the formulae the iol calculation was fairly good in the mild cases in severe cases i think it was bonkers for all so right. uh,
and nena uh, 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 i think we'll be ending so we'll just have a quick uh, uh, take home message from uh, the each panelists so dr vavikar and dr himanshu the uh, yeah whenever we have a case of keratoconus uh, for uh, you know cataract i think most important is that it is we have to spend something like 15 30 minutes with the topography of the patient see all the maps okay and then take a call that will be message himanshu uh, i would say as you rightly said early cases uh, mild cases uh you're okay and uh, you can still be uh, fine to go ahead with uh, your cataract surgery having said that these are special scenarios and we must explain to them guarded visual outcome and potential uh, refractive surprises uh, in case of advanced cone or rather i would uh, say decentered cone i would rather try to have regularity of the surface and then plan the cataract surgery if it's possible if it's very advanced cone and if i have to do a corneal procedure like topoguide prk or uh, intex i would rather do that uh, a cone which is uh, such that where nothing can be done i would rather do a corneal transplant first wait for the graphos junction to heal refraction i mean surface stabilization and then go for uh, the cataract surgery your preferred method of keratometry in these cases biometer versus pentacam versus no so i i i would never ever rely upon one particular thing uh, i always uh, consider pentacam as my topographic uh, measurement partner and uh, il master 700 as uh, my keratometric uh, preferred partner and when both of them match each other uh, i would be really happy when they don't talk to each other well i'm i'm, I'm not happy there Mavika sir, uh, yeah, basically uh, same thing what Dr. Himanshu said that I would take a reading on three keratometers and then decide which one to choose. Uh, the golden rule that the central three millimeter, uh, the like say innermost ring we have to take um, does not hold here true because uh, the cone if it is eccentric the apex is shifted. and therefore we are not getting uh, you are not getting the effective optical zone and that is what we need to see on topography what whether it is the central cornea you are, you want to consider or it is the effective optical zone uh, around the visual axis you want to consider and depending upon that i will decide k readings i think with this uh, we have already overshooted our time so Uh, thank you. Well, wonderful discussion uh, went on for this uh, article review article, and well moderated by Dr. Parul and Dr. Naina, and uh, the panelists as usual were fantastic. Dr. Himanshu Matalia and Dr. Vavika sir. Uh, we are honored to have Dr. T. P. Lahane sir also. So we'll have a, a word from him too before we have the video, the promotional video from the Endor people. and mamta very nice presentation the way you have done it fantastic and of course the entor people they are always there as the technical support to help us so uh, lahane sir a word from you sir uh, hi good evening everybody i think i was uh, hearing this and uh, himanshu and uh, <coughs> um, vaisal and chandrashekhar where they were 
really very knowledgeable and uh, very good answers they were giving and parul and naina they have prepared good questions and i really appreciate this cme uh, uh, vaisal very good cme thank you only thing i want uh, to ask himanshu or i will just put in his mind who is the person who will prevent not to do the toric iol when it is not indicated in the keratoconus i with there, there are so many guidelines see i will tell you in keratoconus they huh. give, they put a toric iol yes patient will come to me and ask this please remove this lens because i can't walk hmm. okay so now few patients they trouble they go in the cortapla hmm. and in the cortapla there are no rules when not to put the toric iol in keratoconus Yes. So there should be some guidelines. So what? Why? Why I want to tell you, offensive practice should be prevented. And the teacher like you, I think we must prevent such type of offensive practice. And it is very difficult to answer. Now, see my cases in Mumbai were decreasing. Now in last four, eight days, I have got four cases out of the three are keratoconus. One is the retinal detachment. so it is very difficult because they have put toric iol and another thing i will tell you piggyback iol on the toric you tell me what is what is the answer because see i asked sumit ki baba ye tumhare logon ne kya hai tell me iska answer bole papa there is no answer so it is very difficult so we have to do something and i think hemansu uh, whenever you are teaching uh, we what we teach what not to do So this right. is very very important. You will have to teach these people what not to do and what is to be possible and contraindications for the toric in keratoconus. Very true. Well said, sir. Now, so I I totally agree with you. One thing is uh, I would like to uh, answer this thing by asking myself when I am offering, am I bringing anything better to this patient rather than bringing to me something extra? now if it is me which is getting something extra and not the patient i don't think it's worth uh, doing anything but if i am able to help that patient by giving uh, something extra i certainly uh, would look into that uh, to be uh, very objective a central cone with the objective and uh, subjective axis correlating with each other and if you think that uh, as uh, vaishal was saying that if the astigmatism is low might as well just go for monofocal and give them the glasses but if it's high astigmatism and if you are reducing the bulk surely go ahead and tell patient that this is what i am doing now many time our problem is poor communication to the patient we do not tell them why we are doing what we are doing so if you are able if we, our conscience is clear and we tell them why we are doing what we are doing i think they they would understand but it's that's a excellent point sir i, I think we all should uh, think about such thing thank you very well put up <clears throat> very well you, put up by himanshu uh, what i would suggest is why don't we have a, a preferred practice guidelines for such procedures what dr lane sir has said is very important in the court of law it doesn't stand testimony to uh, cases where the new procedures are done unless we have standard guidelines a gold standard to go back on what do you say on that no, sir, it can be done sir but uh, it's a very specific niche area 
having a guideline about one particular niche area can become little difficult but when aios is doing something making the big guidelines about uh, such kind of thing like dr lana was saying that if aios is making a guideline about say toric iols or something there such kind of things should be included that okay in keratoconus and toric iol where should you not do and where can you do it so as you rightly suggest it can be certainly part of uh, guidelines himan so what i'm doing i am going for the articles in the uh, index journals and i am supporting the doctor by saying that in the index journal these are the studies and according to study cr he has done and so he has not done any wrong so but every time uh, this is not going to help you in the court so i think what you said is true yeah, we can ask aios to formulate the guideline but what you said is correct if you are adding to the patient do it if not don't do it i agree on that very noble thought by imanshu very nice uh vaishal is doing a great job uh, he is running the show so nicely sir i had handed over this committee as a chairman and uh, of course co chair is dr sen gupta both are doing fantastic jobs and of course parul, our moderators parul. Uh, parul. parul and uh, dr naina of course parul is there always parul is a key he person sir moderators each time to give a chance so parul is coming up with fantastic uh, ideas and uh, review articles so nice about you uh, very good uh, parul you are doing a great job Thank and you. i extremely th- thankful this committee is doing great great work uh, out of all the committees of course rest of it's, them it's parul's hard work sir parul yeah, yeah. is totally dedicated sir and uh, doing lot of uh, back uh, work so it's not seen which should be highlighted here sir a round of applause for Thank her you. yeah rajesh now Uh, that was really a wonderful discussion on the iol power calculation in keratoconus still there is no agreement with which formula and iol power to be implanted so a lot of research need to be done in this aspect i thank uh, dr lahane sir dr vadikar sir dr himanshu matalia for sparing their valuable time and giving their inputs thank you dr mamta for your wonderful presentation many thanks to dr parul dr naina dr vaishal and entire team of e journal club for taking all the efforts special thanks to dr sabbesaju for highlighting on statistics and um, thank you all the delegates who are joined uh, to have the fill of the um, this e journal club my thanks to entor for the technical support thank you all and good night This is a Maharashtra Ophthalmological Society production. The podcast team of ophthalmologists includes Dr. Preeti Kamdar, Dr. Pravin Vyavahare, Dr. Pravin Patil, Dr. Rahul Tiwari and myself Dr. Mandar Paranjpe. Thank you for listening.